In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order to give us a hope that perhaps we hadn't hoped in before. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ. So today we're talking about the story of Jonah, and we're talking about the story of Jonah in terms of what is Jonah hoping for. And, and that's kind of a, a thing that seems to kind of change throughout Jonah's story. Uh, Jonah is, is one of the minor prophets. He's one of the book of the 12 at the end of the Old Testament. There, there's kind of, and he's one of the, the uh, stories that is one of these narratives that's just sort of like a Sunday school narrative. So a lot of us feel like, oh, you know, I kind of know the story of Jonah. I know what's going on there. Um, and, and so we're going to walk through the story of Jonah, and we're going to talk about what Jonah is hoping for at different points in his story, and, and we're, we're going to address some of the things that maybe you think about Jonah that might not be exactly correct, and, and we're, we're going to talk about those things. And finally, what we're going to do is we're going to arrive at a place where we start to think about, okay, what is it that I'm even hoping about? What, where, am, where are my hopes in the midst of what God wants for the world? Where, is, where are my hopes in what God wants for my life? And so we start at the beginning of the book of Jonah, before the little bit of Jonah that we read, because we started off that reading in Jonah 3. But we all know that Jonah's story begins way before that. We know that Jonah begins his life. He is a court prophet in the nation of Israel. And so um, uh, Israel is one of the two Hebrew nations at this point. There's two of them. Uh, One is the southern kingdom, one is the northern kingdom, and this one is the northern kingdom. And so he's a court prophet there. We we know that from uh, elsewhere in, in the Old Testament. And we know that his name means dove. Jonah means dove, and, and so that, that uh, a lot of times uh, kind of fits into a little bit of what we assume his personality is like. That may or may not be a good thing, by the way. And, and so uh, we know that, then that uh, Israel has this historic enemy, this historic enemy that is called Assyria, and Assyria is invading Israel. In, in fact, we know that at the end of this story, what's going to happen is that uh, Assyria is going to take all of Israel off into captivity. And, and so you, you've got the, this thing of, of there's these people that are really, really bad, and they are Assyrians, and their capital city, by the way, is called Nineveh. And so God shows up to Jonah, and God says to Jonah, he says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, uh, no. And so what he does is he, he, uh, he gets on a ship. In fact, if you look at the text, it, it actually appears that he charters the entire ship. So he drops a ton of cash on chartering an entire ship to go to Timbuktu. He doesn't actually go to Timbuktu, but he goes to Tarshish, but Timbuktu is something that'll help you understand what it is for him to go to Tarshish, because we all know what it means to go to Timbuktu. We all know what it means to go from here to Timbuktu. However, most of you right now probably could not point out on a map where on earth Timbuktu is. Timbuktu is in the African country of Mali. It is, if you start in Spain, you go south a few hundred miles and you end up in that little humpy part of West Africa. That's the nation of Mali. In there, there is Timbuktu. 
And you don't need to know that if somebody says from here to Timbuktu because you know that to you, Timbuktu just means way over there. And that's what Tarshish means. That's where he charters this boat to go. He charters this boat to go to Timbuktarshish. And as he is going to Timbuktarshish, uh, he thinks and he hopes that he's going to get away from God. He hopes at least that he's going to get away from being in a place where it is reasonable that he would go to Nineveh. And so he's running away from God. He's hoping that God won't follow him. And he gets out into the middle of the ocean and there's a big storm. And he goes, oh no, I hoped in the wrong thing. Because here's God. God's sending this storm and all of the sailors in the boat are casting lots to try to see who is, is, uh, whose fault this is. And Jonah says, no, it's me. I'm the reason that this is happening. And so he offers himself up as a sacrifice. And so we, we come into that sort of second uh, hope that Jonah maybe has. And that second hope here is that maybe Jonah is hoping here that, that his life is going to have some sort of like a, a extravagant meaning. Because uh, now what he's doing is he's owning up to his sin and he's saying, I still don't want to do what you want me to do, God, but I'm willing to repent. I, I don't want to do what you want to do, but I'll say I'm sorry for not wanting to do that. And, so, uh, and saying I'm sorry is, is going to be, I want you guys to throw me overboard. And then my life will be ended, but my life will also not have to go to Nineveh. So he's still holding on to that hope that he doesn't have to go to Nineveh. And so sure enough, the sailors are like, overboard you go, buddy. And uh, he gets in the water. And just as he's about to realize his hope of being the sacrifice, God says, I'm not taking your sacrifice. Instead, what I'm going to do is I am going to send a dog to get you. Now, the reason I say that is because the Hebrew word for fish is dog. It's kind of weird, D-A-G. And uh, so God sends a fish, a dog, not a whale, sends a dog to get Jonah, swallows Jonah, and says, okay, now this fish is going to swim around throughout the ocean and up a river because Nineveh is not a coastal city. It's a river city. So he sends him up a river and then blah. He lands in Nineveh. And so if you're thinking about what Jonah is hoping for here, first thing that Jonah hopes for is that maybe he gets far away enough, at least from Israel, that it just doesn't make sense for him to go to Nineveh anymore, right? So he's kind of like, well, maybe I can't get away from God, but maybe I can actually just get far enough away that it doesn't make sense for me to go to Nineveh anymore. To which God says, guess what? You're there. And that's where we open up this story. God calls him again. So the, the fish, the dog throws him up on the shore and says, I'm serving you with new papers. You're called again. And by the way, you're right outside the city right now. To which Jonah then finally goes and does it. And so there's this little interesting moment of kind of thinking about, okay, well, what is Jonah hoping for here? Jonah can no longer hope that he can get away from this job. He's right there. 
And so he goes and he does the job. In fact, the, the scripture tells us that he spends three days uh, walking across that great city and, and telling everybody to repent. And, and we're kind of wondering, well, you know, what is he hoping is going to happen? Is, is he hoping that somebody is going to hear him? You know, the first Ninevite that he comes across, he's going to say, hey, by the way, you should repent. Now kill me. And they don't do it because they repent. Everybody repents, even the king. They're all doing Ash Wednesday early because they're in sackcloth and ashes and they're all repenting and they're all feeling sorry for their sins. And we know that what happens here is that then Jonah goes and he goes up into a place where he can see the city of Nineveh, probably hoping that what he's going to see is, is this massive fireworks display like what you had with Sodom and Gomorrah. He's hoping that the whole place is going to burn to a crisp and he's going to be able to watch it there. And it doesn't happen. And God relents. God does not do the th- thing that he plans to do to Nineveh. In fact, it's an interesting moment in Scripture where, where uh, if, if you read the, the, the literal words that, that are put down on the page in Hebrew there, God does not do the evil that he plans to do to Nineveh. He plans to absolutely smite them, but God doesn't do it. And, and so we kind of wonder, does that mess with what Jonah is hoping for? Is Jonah actually hoping at this point that, well, everybody there is going to die? And so Jonah goes and he's feeling kind of bummed that things haven't gone his way since the beginning of the book that bears his name. And he goes and he he sits underneath this tree. And he sits underneath this tree and God shows him a little piece of what he's been hoping for. God shows him this, this little tiny piece of what he's been hoping. He's been hoping maybe for the entire city of Nineveh to be destroyed. And, and here he is sitting underneath this tree and God sends a little tiny worm and destroys the plant, the tree that he's sitting underneath. And then Jonah gets upset. He says, why? Why did you take this away from me? And God says, you were looking for a whole lot more destruction to happen here. Either in terms of your sins of omission, of running away from my will all of this time, or in terms of your sins of commission, you were just hoping that you were going to say repent and that yeah, that would mean that everybody there was going to burn to a crisp. And so what have you been hoping in, Jonah? What have you been hoping in? Where are your hopes at? Are there moments in your life where you can identify that you've been running away from God's will, where you have been uh, doing things in your life where you're like, well, if I do this, well, I'll, just, I'll, I'll be far enough away from what I feel like God wants me to do that he won't actually be able to ask me to do that anymore. 
Are you offering yourself up as a sacrifice and saying, Lord, I don't want to do what you want me to do, but I'm willing to do penance. Is that something that you're hoping for? That somehow that your penance is going to somehow trump God's will for your life? That somehow, if I just feel sorry enough, God will stop asking me to do stuff? Or are you, are you hoping maybe that, you know, if you do something that God wants you to do, that he will smite the nations before you? You see, all of Noah's, all of Jonah's story is a great picture of the places that our hopes can go and those wrong places where our hopes can go. Our hopes can also go to some really great places. But Jonah's story is a great example of where we need to look for our hopes. God comes to us in his word. God comes to us just as Jesus came to those disciples by the Sea of Galilee. He comes to us in, in his word and he calls out to us his will. He says, this is what I want you to do. Yeah, I, I want you to become fishers of men. I want you to sit in silence and wait on me. I, I want you to go and evangelize. I, I want you to do all of the things in, in my word. And I want those things to be things not only that you just sort of grudgingly hear and maybe you go about doing them even though you're grumbling, but I actually want those things to become things in your life that you hope That when you hear the story of Jesus going to James and John and Simon and Andrew, that, that that starts your hope. Before it starts your activity, that that it actually begins to be a hope within you. That that you start hoping for an opportunity to be somebody like Simon or Andrew or James or John, that, that Jesus would, would say, this is what I have for you. I, I want you to follow me. Or that your hope would be something like uh, David in that psalm where, where your hope actually is, Lord, I, I want a moment where I can just read your word and, and I can experience it in silence and really just think about how great it is that you have brought yourself to me and, and start to build my hope around that. You see, so often we end up being like Jonah because we think that God's will for our life is a will that doesn't require our hope. But God's will for our life should actually begin with our hope. It should challenge the hopes that we have in things that are not of God. And it should challenge us to begin to wonder what it would be like if we could hope in what God has for us to do. Little moments of his story that he calls us to be a part of. 
And we know that we so often are Jonah's. But the great, great thing about Jonah's story is that God doesn't leave him alone. God goes after him time and time. He doesn't accept that there's a place where he can't come after Jonah. And so maybe your hopes right now, as you're reflecting on this, maybe you're reflecting and you're saying, my hopes have been in the wrong place. My hopes have not been in what God's word has there for me to consider. And to that, I want to assure you that it's not over. If you're on a ship to Timbuktu, it's not over. If you're in the belly of a dog, it's not over. If you are vomited up in the place where you're supposed to be, it's still not over. And if you're doing things out of the wrong intention, it's still not over. Because God continues to chase after you with his love and forgiveness. And sometimes that love and forgiveness is sort of like a tough love. But it's a love and forgiveness that says, no, you're not getting away. No, you're not going to just offer yourself up as a penitential sacrifice. I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. What I'm doing instead is I'm forgiving you and renewing you so that you may delight in my will and walk in my way. To the glory of my holy name. Amen.